Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word together this morning, may we uh, hear perhaps some familiar passages in a fresh way. Uh, May we hear the truth of your gospel this morning, and may we we respond accordingly, uh, going out and sharing that with those around us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Um, as a recap, uh, we've already talked about this a little bit, um, we are, uh, have finished our Advent season, and now it's Christmas time, finally. Isn't that great? Um, I know a lot of you think, well, Christmas is over because we just did that on Thursday, but Christmas has just begun. Today is the fourth day of Christmas. There are 12 days of Christmas. So if anybody, what is it today, the fourth day of Christmas is? Calling birds. Four calling birds. Anybody get calling birds today? No? All right. Uh, well, Merry Christmas, and uh, today is the, is the fourth day of Christmas, and, um, and we've, been, we've been building up to this time. Every Sunday we've been lighting, as Jim mentioned, we've been lighting a new candle, and, and our, our wreath is filled now. Um, could we do a favor, Nathan? Could you turn off all of the lights? Yeah, good. Let me get the, yeah, are we able to do the spots, too? Not from back there? Okay, that's fine. Um, I love to do this, and I don't know if you ever do this in your home uh, at Christmas time where you, like, just plug in the Christmas tree, um, and you just, you see the light of the tree, or, and if you, I don't know if you do Advent candles at your home or not, but uh, I, love to, I love to have this set up in our, in our living room where our candles are lit and, and the tree is, is lit. And uh, when the lights are full... You can tell that the Christmas tree is lit, and you can tell that the candles are going, but you can't really, you don't really feel their light. You don't really see their light. But when you turn down all of the other lights, uh, the light shines in the darkness. Uh, the light shines forth um, in, in your living room or in your home, and you begin to appreciate the fullness of the light that's coming forth. Uh, Advent has been the buildup, the anticipation towards Christmas. And we have this, in our culture, this, this build-up begins all the way back in October. Um, maybe, after, maybe if you're lucky, after Halloween is finished, um, maybe in your home there's a rule, we don't listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. 
Um, that's, that's, a general, that's a general rule in most households, I hope, in yours too. Um, uh, just because you can't handle it by the time Christmas comes around if you start too soon. Um, but uh, one of the things that I have found in, in, uh, as we've been thinking about Advent and Christmas, and uh, there, there's often a pushback with, uh, with an understanding of the way that our world celebrates Christmas, right? You, you feel that, you feel this tension of the commercialization and sort of just the, the hype of it all, and, and there's this call towards, well, what, what is it really about? And there's always this, within the church, we use this language of like, how do we get back to the, to the meaning of Christmas? And what are we talking about here? For me, one of the things that I found the most helpful to do this is to, to celebrate Advent and Christmas according to a different calendar than what Costco tells me I should celebrate at Christmas according to. And so to allow myself to build up this anticipation towards Christmas, and then when Christmas comes on December 25th, to not just end it and put everything away on December 26th, uh, but to continue to celebrate Christmas for, uh, for the next uh, 12 days afterwards, and to allow that celebration to order my understanding of the way that I'm focusing and entering into these stories rather than the way that, that the stores tell me to do it. So we've been building up to the, with these themes of longing and of fear, of peace and humility, and then finally on Christmas Eve of incarnation, and celebrating and remembering the way in which Christ has come as, as a human, as a baby, born into our world, lived in our world. We've been celebrating this and preparing ourselves to celebrate. And so when Christmas comes... Christmas is the time, Advent is the time where we prepare and we get our homes ready and we do all of the work to get ready. But Christmas then becomes the time where we say, so what? So all of this is, and this, and this I think is really, for me, where the, where the tension comes with ending things on December 25th. Um, there's all this buildup and then it's like, okay, now, now we move on to Valentine's Day, right? Um, and we, and we just start, you know, we get rid of the Christmas candy, we bring out the, the hearts. Um, but to have, to have a space where we say, okay, so what? What, is this, what does this mean? Why, why is it so significant that Christ came? And what is, this, what is it asking of us? What, it, what is our response to be? And I want us to look at Luke chapter 2 this morning to see what the so what should be. And you can turn the lights back on. I think unless you have your phone, your iPad, you may not be able to see. Um, Luke chapter 2. We've read this story several times, and so we'll, uh, we'll begin in verse 13. Uh, Jesus has been born. The, shep- the angel has come to, to the shepherds and announced this, uh, this birth. And then verse 13, Suddenly a great company, the heavenly host, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And Christmas is a time where we, like the shepherds, uh, have a response of telling what we have seen and heard. We have encountered Christ as a baby, God come to us in flesh. And, and Christmas is a time where we hear the message that we are now to go and proclaim to those what we have seen and heard. We have heard of the one who is bringing uh, a fulfillment of our hopes and our longings. We have heard of the one who is with us even in the midst of our fear. We have heard of the one who has brought peace. We have heard of the one who came in humility. What does this mean for those of us who follow after him? We've sung about this even today. The example of Christ coming to us is an example for us then to follow in the way that we go into our world. And Christmas is a time where we are sent once again here at the beginning, at the end of one year and the beginning of a new year. We're sent once again into our world to proclaim the message of the God who is with us. And in doing so, we glorify and praise God. Genesis chapter 1. Our theme today is light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John here is using intentionally the language of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John tells us, in the beginning was the Word. The Word that said, let there be light. And there was light that spoke light into existence, that spoke creation into existence. John says, this Word was with God. This Word was God. That through this Word, through Christ, 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And the life was the light for all people. Later on, verse 14, a passage that we've also looked at multiple times during this season, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John is, is not a traditional Christmas passage, a technical Christmas passage like Matthew and, and Luke give us. And yet, John gives us this passage of incarnation, of the coming of God into the world. Uh, is very much still a Christmas passage. And here, he introduces us to the person of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, the Word who dwelt among us. And he informs us that this God who became man is the light of life. And this light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the darkness, as Jim said this morning, will never overcome it. Uh, Turn the lights off again. Thank you. Uh, Have you ever been in a situation where it's so dark uh, that you can't see the light anymore? That it gets so dark that all of a sudden the light is obscured from view? It's not... It doesn't happen, right? The only way you can't see the light is if I cover it up, but it's still there. It's, it's the darkness, no matter how dark, no matter how, even if it were pitch black at night, we turned off all of the lights in here, if we were to turn on a light, we would see it. The light always breaks through and breaks forth through the darkness. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not overcome it. John tells us that this light, this image that he's using for light, is Jesus Christ who brings life to all mankind, to all of humanity. He tells us that uh, in verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. That in believing in this Christ, in believing in this one, we may have life. And if you're here this morning, and you have not put your trust in the light of life, I want to encourage you to do that today. To know that this light is the life for you. That Christ came into the world not just for some of us, but for all of us. And John says that it's not, it doesn't require that you join a certain church. It doesn't require that you do certain things or stop doing certain things first, but it's just to believe in his name. For those that believe in his name, you too can have this light. This light that shines in the darkness 
uh, of our sin. Uh, the light shines forth and, is, and it is not overcome by even our greatest sins. And if you're here this morning and you don't believe that, you haven't trusted that, I encourage you to do that today. This image of light is one that the gospel writers and, and the New Testament writers picked up on. John, Paul, Peter, all use this image of light uh, again and again and again. And so what does this light look like? What, is this, what, the, what was it like, this light that came into our world? How do we describe it? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We can turn the lights back up again. Thank you, Nathan. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul tells us what it was like as Christ came into the world. For the message of the cross is foolish, verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where are the wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. This is great, isn't it? If you were to write a letter, think about this. Uh, you, were, you know, you guys are not very smart, but... Uh, uh, Think of what you were when you are called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let those who boast, boast in the Lord. Paul tells us that the light coming into the world didn't look like wisdom and strength and might. It didn't come in this overwhelming show of force and victory. And we know this from the Christmas story, right? That Christ came to us in the weakness and innocence of a newborn baby. Um, I don't know how recently you've seen a new, newborn baby. For me, it was a few months ago. Um, and they can't do anything. I mean, hen nothing, right? Like, they're just, 
uh, Henry is finally three and a half months old, and he's finally able to hold his head up, you know, and, and sort of look around and starts to recognize things. Uh, but for, for those first couple months, I mean, literally, they just lay there and, and do nothing, right? Like, they can't roll around. They can't, like, they can't even grab things in front of their face. Like, they start, and eventually they start to respond. And this, this is the power of God. We're told that this small child is the way that God comes to us. In this, in this tiny, helpless baby, the light breaks forth into the world. In him was life. And that light, life was the light of all humanity. In this tiny, weak, foolish baby, the light broke forth into the world. And Paul says that it's not just in the foolishness of a baby coming to earth, but it's the foolishness of the cross. That, that the one that we worship and proclaim as Lord is the one who was crucified at the hands of the Jews and of the Romans. The one who was hung on a cross is actually an, a, the greatest example of God's strength. In his moment of weakness hanging on the cross, Paul says that, that is the power of God. The God who came not only as a baby, but the God who came to die for us. And that in what seemed like his defeat, in his death, there actually we find his victory. That this is the light. It comes in the foolishness. It comes in the weakness. It comes in the lowly. It comes in the despised. It comes in the things that are not. These display the power of God. And that actually uh, the coming of Christ in his humility and his, a lowly, uh, in his lowly state reminds us uh, that as much as our world tells us that the things that are most, most true and right are found in the things that are the biggest and the best and the most powerful, the truth and righteousness is actually often found in the things that are most cast aside, the most looked over, most ignored, that oftentimes that's where God chooses to make himself known. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We again see our response. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, sorry. Paul is explaining this ministry that he's been given and his response. Um, and again, he's been talking about this foolishness of, of the world. And in verse 3, he says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He's put them in darkness. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. For the God who said, let there be light, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. For those, Paul is saying, for those of us who believe, for those of us who have put our faith in him, that God has put this light in our own hearts, that we might reflect the light of Christ. That we, as, as Christians, are to be people who reflect the Prince of Peace, reflect the humble God who came to serve. And he says this in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work within you. Notice what Paul is saying here. We are announcing the light of of Christ that has come into our world. We aren't preaching ourselves. We're reflecting the light of God that has come to us. And he says this treasure, that this light, the, the work that God is doing in us, just as he said in, in 1 Corinthians, is not coming to the powerful and, and the strong. Uh, those of you that, he says, you, weren't, you were foolish by human standards. You weren't wise by human standards. You weren't powerful God says it's in you, in your frailty, in your weakness. This is where God is showing up and working through you. This treasure does not come in glass jars. It doesn't come in crystal vases. It doesn't come in gold pottery or whatever. I don't really know how those things are made. Uh, but it, it doesn't come in these rich, richly ornamented, expensive, durable canisters. This isn't where God is choosing to place his power. This isn't where he's choosing to place his message. He's choosing to place it in us. And if, as we look at our lives and we think about this idea that God has entrusted us to carry his message. The first response for me often is, yes, but here, we're like, kind of like Moses. But God, let me tell you why I can't do what you've asked me to do. You know, people don't respect me. People don't, uh, you know, I'm too young or maybe it's, I'm too old or uh, I don't, you know, I don't really relate to these people or, you know, I'm so busy with this. And there's all kinds of excuses. And God says, yes, 
It's in your excuses. It's in your weakness. It's in your frailty. It's in these broken, fragile pots that you are, and I know you are. I know you're weak. I know you can't do it by yourself. But guess what? I'm with you. Right? Christmas is the time we celebrate God with us. And he says, I am with you. And I know you're weak. And I've chosen you anyway. I know you're imperfect. I know you still sin. I know you still have addictions. I know you struggle. But I've still chosen you. Chosen you. And this treasure is found in the jars of clay to prove, to show, to demonstrate that the power isn't from us. It's from God. It's the story of Gideon where God sends Gideon to raise up an army and, and thousands come and God says, it's too much. If you, if you went into battle like that, you would th- just think that your own strength did it. So we got to send some people home. And so they send some people home and says, that's still too much. We got to send some more people home. Until it's finally a, a, a number so small that God says, okay, it's small enough now that I can use it. Because then you'll know that it was my power and not your power. And God says, this is where my power is today. In your weakness, in your fragility, in your frailty. This is where my power is found. And at times, uh, we may feel like uh, bearing witness for Christ. Continuing to live faithfully. And not just bearing witness in a presentation of the gospel, but bearing witness faithfully in our lives. Pursuing, as we've talked about, pursuing peace. Continuing to trust that God is with us in the midst of our fears. Directing our hopes towards the things that he has placed in front of us instead of all of these other things that distract us. Choosing to live with humility and serve one another and consider one another better than ourselves. We may think that all of these things, living faithfully, it feels hopeless. To choose to do the right thing, even when, when the corporate structure around us says, and that's just not the way we do things here. And to continue to choose right, to continue to live faithfully, feels hopeless. It feels like a waste of time. It feels like, am I the only one doing this? Like, what, what impact? Yeah, I can do that, but what impact is it going to have? No one cares, no one sees. Maybe pursuing forgiveness is just going to result in more heartache. Maybe it might mean the loss of friendships, the loss of relationships. Maybe your career. To choose to live rightly feels like it's just hopeless or meaningless or a waste. Notice what Paul says. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Yes, 
choosing to live faithfully for Christ will bring about hardship and suffering and persecution and despair. But I think verse 9 is, is so fitting for our celebration of Christmas. Persecuted, but not abandoned. The God who came to be with us in Christ is with us still. That even in rejection and the loss of relationships, even in the despair and the heartache that comes from doing the right thing, from living truthfully, we are not alone. That God is still with us. We may be hard-pressed, we may be perplexed, we may be persecuted, we may be struck down, but God is with us. And the grace and truth of Jesus is more authentic and more valuable. We can choose to shine forth the light of Christ in the midst of the darkness because the darkness will not overcome it. It never will. It has not and it will not. And so we hold forth and we live faithfully, uh, proclaiming with our lives, with our words and deeds, here is where there is life. In Christ, in this light, there is life. Here is where there is goodness. Here is where there is hope. Here is where there is security. Here is where there is peace. And here, in this weakness, in this vulnerability, this is where there is strength. That the power of God is made known in our weakness. And in our weakness there is strength. And so, as we close, um, at Christmas we remember that we are the kind of people, because we have received the light of Christ, that we can plunge ourselves into the darkness of our world. That we can get in deep to where the most darkest places are because we have the light of Christ. We can move into the places of the, of the most hatred. We can move into the places where it seems like God has nothing, has no presence, and we can go there and we can be that presence for Christ. In what seem like the darkest corners of our world, the darkest corners of our community, the darkest corners of our workplace, of our school, We plunge ourselves into the darkness knowing that the light will always overcome it. We are held by the light of the world. And it's his power working in us. We will not be overcome. Christ is born. The day has dawned.
Oftentimes we live in the midst of a threatening world. But the, the image that we're given in Scripture is not to respond to the threats as though we are a bomb shelter, that we bunker down and we hide and we wait for the danger to pass. The image that we are given is a lighthouse. That we, that we shine forth from the peaks of the cliffs, showing where the way to go should be. Warning of the danger and revealing the light of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we are a people, um, even as we have prepared and, and led up to this time in Advent and we reflected on our fears, we are a people filled with fears of unknown, of uncertainty, of, of the consequences of what might happen if we actually choose to live the way that you have called us to live. And yet we have been reminded today and we've been reminded this season that you are a God who is always with us. And so we pray for courage and strength to be people who shine forth your light. We know we are weak. We know we are fragile. And you know that too. And yet you have chosen us anyway. And so we pray now as we celebrate Christmas together, and we worship and proclaim the God who is with us, the God who came to us as a baby. We pray that in our weakness, you may use us and we may have the courage to allow ourselves to be used by you to shine forth your light into the darkness. And we thank you for the promise that the darkness will not overcome it. Amen. If you're here this morning, I said this already, but if you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ, uh, do so today. God loves you so much. We've just sung of the love that came for you. He doesn't care what you've done in the past. He loves you. He loves you so much. And all that you need to do is put your trust in him this morning. Put your trust in that love that came. He loves you so much. For those of us here this morning uh, who have put our trust in that love, may we go out and shine forth the light of Christ. The one who said, let the light shine in the darkness has said, put his light in our hearts. May we shine that light forth in the darkness this week.